Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. I just want to introduce um, specifically uh, Max and Danao. Uh, Danao is going to be sharing the word with us. And... Uh, <laughs> We, we're very excited about that, um, and yes, uh, I, I really sensed as we were sort of building up towards this specific sermon that um, I, asked, I asked a couple of weeks ago, I asked Danae if she'd uh, share on this, because we've been walking a, <laughs> we've been walking a, wrong, a long road just um, discussing these issues, you know, around culture and that kind of stuff, um, some of them quite uh, very important issues, but also in some ways tricky issues. And, and I've, I've just been struck by, by Max and Danae's wisdom, but also by the fact that they've had to live this uh, because, um, you know, Max comes from Zim and Danae from the Eastern Cape. Is that right? Where? I'm Billy Limpopo. Limpopo. Okay, sorry. My mistake. Um, and, but anyway, it's a cross-cultural marriage. And, uh, you know, they're f- into two families that are from different cultures. And uh, it's, it's been interesting and uh, in, uh, in some ways very encouraging to notice not only the hardships that they've faced and the difficult questions that they've had to work through as a couple, but also just the, the grace and the wisdom that, um, that God has imparted to them in the process. Um, and, and I'm excited to hear um, yeah, just how God will use the Nao to, to impart some of that wisdom that they've received to, to us as well. So, um, Father God, I just want to consecrate the Nao to you, Lord God. I just thank you for her. Thank you, Lord, that you've called her to share this message with us, Lord God, and that it's an important message, not just for us as a congregation, but for the whole of South Africa, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this message will not only be heard here this morning, but that um, through YouTube it'll, and, and through our podcast, Lord, it'll go out, Lord, and, and, and have a wider influence in South Africa and that, that many more people will, will hear this message and, and be encouraged by it in Jesus' name. Pray that you'll bless her, Lord, and just put your words in her mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I swear that's like... My small group putting pressure on every one of you as to clap. <laughs> but great job, guys, just as we discussed. <laughs> also, Mason was supposed to give me um, a ballad lover so that you guys don't see my face. I'm an introvert. Um, I don't do this. Um, and I don't answer phone calls, especially from numbers that I don't know. And when Pastor Henny called me, I was seeing a patient, and I answered by mistake. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I need you to preach a sermon. And I said, no, you mean share a testimony. He's like, no, preach. I said, share. He said, preach. And I was like, oh. well, the Lord had been speaking to me in my heart, and that when the opportunity came, I would say yes. And so... I had to walk in obedience and say yes, um, which isn't the thing that comes most natural to me. In fact, my notes were overwhelming me, and I just left them in the car. So if this is a remix, (laughs) go back to the Bible. (laughs) It's the real version. Um, So yeah, uh, during Monday prayer, 
Joshi says, um, this is his advice to me, that the more you preach, the better you get, that way you'll get more confidence. And I'm like, yeah, that's true, that's true facts, but I don't know if there'll be another time after this. But <laughs> we're doing great, as I said. My name is Dinao Chihuahua. I am married to Mr. Alpha Male over there, Maxwell Chihuahua. Uh, he's more popular than we are. Um, and so last week when Stefan was speaking about how he's been part of the church for 10 years, I was like, shucks, they are going to kick me out after they find out that I've only been here for two years, but <laughs> I've been Christian for a while, <laughs> promise, promise. So um, let's just go to our vision. Uh, I think this ties in so nicely. It says to reach nations, generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at uh, why does a good God allow suffering? We have looked at Christianity being the one true religion. We then last week looked at um, the hypocrisy of Christianity. And today, we look at Christianity as a white man's religion. If it's not clear, I'm not a white man. Uh, I'm a black female in South Africa, uh, so context matters, guys, so just in case you guys think I identify as one, I really don't. Uh, this is just to say, I don't think I'm qualified to speak on this, but I have had experiences that I would like to share honestly and openly with you guys, um, and I'm so happy to have had the platform to do it. Um, and hopefully I do it justice, but may this encourage conversation. I mean, if anything, it's a challenging topic. Um, and I hope the white people amongst us today aren't like, oh no, what is this about? <laughs> but it's a message for every single person. Um, to those that have said yes, to those that have declared that Jesus is Lord of their, their life, it is a commission to you. And so I urge you to open your heart today. Um, while preparing for the sermon, it just seemed as though the Lord lays seeds on his children's heart and things like offense and sin and distraction come to kind of squeeze it out so that it doesn't take root and it doesn't grow. Um, I really hope that you guys press into challenging conversations because sometimes it doesn't mean that I can only um, minister to the Betty Nation. It means that someone from a different nation, um, someone that's Afrikaans can come to me and see something within my culture or within my life and speak on it. And that could bless me too, and that could bless the generations that are to come from me. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word that is true. Thank you, Father, that you are a good God. Thank you, Father, that... Um, you can be trusted. Thank you that the lie that the enemy has spread over generations, Lord, will come to an end as your children empower themselves, not only with knowledge, but a new perspective and insight of who you are. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have a banner of love around your children. I pray for open hearts today, open minds. I pray, Father, that your children lead with curiosity, but that they're able to not only answer questions, but they may be able to defend their faith in a way that is honoring to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to go to the next slide. 
Right, so First Peter 3.15 says, um, always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask you to give a reason for your hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So again, today's topic is, is Christianity a white man's religion? So this assumes a few things. Can you go to the next slide? Okay, so the assumption made by the statement is that Jesus was white, one, or Jesus came specifically for white people, therefore exclusively belongs to them. Um, we just want to take two or three minutes. Everyone can turn to each other. Please discuss it in your groups. Have you heard this before? If you've never heard this before, what do you think that means and what is the context for you? Quickly. Okay. Thank you, everyone. So I wish I was a part of the discussion. I think in different groups, this topic looks very different. So um, this is a charge a lot of people have brought against. So like they said, Joburg attracts a lot of capable people, people that have studied, people that want to be theologians, but not really. And this is personal because I have work in a workplace where no one else is Christian. Um, I'm known as D, the church goer. Like, I'm not a church goer. <laughs> um, and my friend just said, as a person who's a little bit intelligent, why would you profess a faith that not only oppress people that look like you, um, but continues to do that? And it's basically the white band's religion. And so it's easy to say, well, no, it's not. But I mean, we're called to do it respectfully and with gentleness. And so um, my question was, okay, friend, what do you mean by white? Um, can we look at that? What do you mean by white man? And so for these answers, we, thank God, can look to the Bible to give us some answers. So in the next slide... So Matthew 2, 1 to 2, tells us that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. The angel basically comes down and says, hey, you're about to have a child named Emmanuel. This is, this is who he will be. And if you look at the map, Bethlehem is not in Europe. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 couldn't be, it, it, it couldn't be that he is... He is white. And so I also want to be clear, by white we mean Greco-Roman, so we mean people from Europe. Okay? Um, and so we then come to the conclusion that Jesus is from the Middle East, he's Middle Eastern, um, and he would have then looked like that, he is a Jew, uh, but also that he's somatic, so he was circumcised, he went to the temple at 12, he was a Jew. And he was Middle Eastern, not white. But then, where does this come from? They, they couldn't have just taken it from literally everywhere, anywhere else. Then come, okay, the portrayal. So even if you ask my two-year-old niece who this is, she'll say it's Jesus. Um, even if we'll see someone in the line that looks like this and be like, it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> And this is someone born in 2000 and, like, 2020. <laughs> um, 
So they've done a really good job with the marketing that they've done over the centuries. I mean, not a lot has changed. He is then a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man with the full beard. We thank God it connects. Um, but that, that is the portrayal of Jesus that as through um, just the Roman Empire just growing and imagery being put out and also... Think of the time and resources. So people had the resources to actually create these um, images and then put them out. The Bible specifically, or or I, I will say uh, it purposefully, tries to move away from imagery or description of Jesus, right? Um, we may not really know what he looks like, but we know how he acts like, we know what his heart is, we know what his character is, we know what his purpose is, and we know what he came to do. Um, but then, as people, we will obviously make gods of ourselves, so if Jesus looks like me, then I can relate a lot better to him, right? And so, Ethiopia and black people took to the drawing as well, and they're like, sure, we can do it too. This is our image of Jesus, and that's more palatable because it looks like them, you can relate, and because I can relate, I can then trust, um, which isn't always true because you're relating to a version that looks like you. You have thus exalted yourself to be a God, which is then a form of idolatry in itself. We then go to the next slide. So... What does the Bible say? So you'll find in the book of Isaiah, he was apparently ordinary looking with no real you know, charm or pizzazz to him. <laughs> but then Daniel has a vision, he has a dream, and he sees something. And then later in Revelation, we see something else. So let's see. Daniel, this is Old Testament, and then this is New Testament. Right, cool. So in the Old Testament, we say... Uh, Daniel 9, 7 says, As I was looking, thrones were put in their places, and the ancient king sat in, on his throne. His clothes were as white as snow, his hair as white as wool. His throne was made from fire, and its wheels were made from flames. Revelation 1, 14 to 15 says, The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His hairs were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. So this happened at different times, and you can tell scripture proves scripture. So this is the man that they were speaking about. Um, but can anyone show me what snow looks like? And if you have blonde hair, does it like look like that? No, like snow does not look like blonde, not ash blonde, not straw, not not any kind of blonde really. Um, and people like to draw from that. Uh, we see that it specifically says that his feet were like burnished bronze, so that's more like a brassy, a brown color, right? Um, that his feet would be. Um, further proves that he's not white, but. If you look at it, and a lot of people like to argue that hair uh, as white as wool, wool refers to the texture of hair versus it being about color. And so we would think that Jesus has 4C type hair. If you don't know what 4C type hair is, it's okay. It's like hair like me. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's not what scripture is saying. 
if anything, the description is to show how dignified he is. His hair is white because he's wise. Uh, he is the ancient of days. So uh, you see he's pure, he's glorious, he's authoritative. If anything, we see how God in his marvel and how he looks like versus it being about a skin thing. And so the skin theory has been taken across the world versus it being a sin theory, right? Um, which then brings us back. We can go to the next slide. Okay, so a few charges brought against Christianity. My friend said, well, D, I hear what you're saying, but it just looks like Christianity left as a tomato and it came back as a chakalaka. Because um, everyone decided to put in their own spices, everyone decided to put in their own twist to it. And some of us don't even like spicy. Like what we have is something that worked. Um, so Christianity came on a boat. Christianity came to oppress, um, thus excusing injustice. Christianity is Western, therefore un-African. Right. These are big claims to make, and so uh, we then need to go back to the Bible. We need to look at history and then see if we're able to answer this. Next slide, please. Okay, so this is African, the Bible. In the Bible, you see many stories of things that took place in Africa. Um, I would even dare to say that Christianity arrived in Africa first before it did Europe, right? So white people are actually converts of Christianity because they were pagans. Um, so you look over there where Kush and Put used to be and um, was from, I'm wearing my glasses, but Sudan, Libya, Algeria, these are the places that are in Africa, right? And so who do you find there? There's so many characters. Africans in Africa are mentioned about 1,417 times in the Bible. You can go look if you have time, but I'm going to mention a few people. Okay, so you have Sipora, who's Moses' wife. We know Moses, right? That guy that was supposed to lead people out of Africa. Cool. Right, out of Egypt. Cool. Um, then uh, we have uh, Hagar, who was Abraham's concubine. Um, she's the only person or woman in the Bible that was able to name God. And she said, Alroy, which is God who sees me. Um, we have Simon... Mm -mm. Simon the Siren, so he was a man who helped Jesus carry his cross. We also have the Ethiopian eunuch, who it's a popular story where the Lord says, hey, so you have this eunuch on his way, but he stops his chariot and he's actually reading from Isaiah, and this is about the Lord being slain. Um, Philip gets him and the Lord says, hey, go over there and go chat to him a little bit. And he does, and he says, hey, what are you reading? And he says, it is there, and then it's about the Lord being slain, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand if someone, um, if someone doesn't teach me or guide me? He then says, okay, and then they have a conversation about that. They come to a pool of water, and he says, hey, what's stopping me from being baptized? And he was baptized. He, this man was from Africa. He was African. Um, there's so many examples we can go to the church fathers so the church fathers are i almost said a cult a gang <laughs> 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 
they are foundational to scripture, how we read scripture, um, theology, homiletics. They are the mafia, <laughs> perhaps, right? Um, so there's many of them, and some of them are from Africa. And here's the thing. These men have authority. So how they've actually worked this out, it's not because they're African or black or whatever else, or, or people of color, that they then uh, assumed lesser positions, right? So you have uh, Tertullian, who's from Tunisia. He was a lawyer. He is known for his boldness. So he, the framework of apologetics, of all things controversial, um, that was your guy, and theology. Um, he introduced the word trinitas, referring to divine trinity. Right? Then you have Cyprian. He was a bishop and a writer. Um, he's popular for his framework for propagating priestly unity. Uh, you have Augustine, who's very popular. Uh, he's a bishop, theologian, and philosopher. Um, he is responsible for the concepts and framework of sin um, and just war as it related to the West. Then you have Optutus. He was a bishop. He was famous for his writing against Donatism, which is essentially that the Christian clergy needed to be perfect and faultless in ministry in order for their ministry to be effective. So that's a lot of weight that they carried, right? And they weren't disqualified from where they come from or what they looked like. They were all used by the Lord to not only move forward with the Christian um, gospel, so the truth of Jesus Christ, um, but it also meant that it was for everyone because some of these men then took the word, was then adopted up high in Europe, and it went all over the world, right? Um, the next slide. Right, so Colossians 3.11 says, Here there is no gentle or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Sethan, slave, free, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. So we see in Genesis, um, the Lord said, let us make them, let us make them in our image, right? So they don't say, let us make them uh, white in our image and in the rest, like in whoever else's image. Um, but also with that, there's a charge. And the charge was that everyone that was made in his image was to rule. And it was over fish. It was for the um, animals of the land. It was for everything else that wasn't other people. So we're never a people that's under other people, right? We were all made equally because Christ is in all. Okay. Can we go on to the next one? Okay. So we're still with Christianity being uh, having come on a boat, right? But I think we can refute the fact that it probably didn't come on the boat and that our first encounter with Christianity um, as Africans isn't through um, missionaries coming to South Africa, right? The gospel has always been here. Um, in fact, Christians had to... Um, pay a special tax to Islamic people uh, because they believe differently. But then you get to Constantine, who then is the Roman emperor. He gets baptized um, on his deathbed. 
Um, but now Christianity is no longer uh, illegal. And so Christians are flourishing. They're taking the word of God. Uh, but also people that have claimed to be Christian are taking the word of God and they're making it their own. And that means that they're putting rules, they're putting, um, they're removing things from scripture, they're adding things to scripture, things that were originally not there. That then gets spread out to different places of the world. And sometimes that is the very thing that people are rejecting right now. Okay. So in terms of the South African context, a lot of Christianity did come with missionaries, um, not on a boat, but it came with people. Um, and people were able to share um, the ability to either read, to educate, to open schools, to have resources. And these resources have been undeniable. I mean, we still have missionary schools where um, people are still learning from that. And a lot of uh, our leaders in South Africa were taught at missionary schools. And these people are in leadership and, and we're not discouraged to not move forward um, because this Christianity was then used as a tool against them. But there are people that use Christianity as a tool, and it looks like um, the slave Bible with scriptures being taken out of that and that being propagated as God's truth, which is not true, which is actually sin. Um, and the thing about people refuting Christianity is that sometimes they don't even go into the word for themselves to go look at that. And so can you imagine a lie that comes from the third century is still alive today. Um, it really is up to us to have knowledge about it, to spread the knowledge, to spread truth and love, but to also be able to share our stories in a way that doesn't offend, but it empowers and people are challenged and that you can always be a place where people can come back and ask questions and they know they will get a gentle answer um, for whatever it is that they ask, right? Uh, that slide still. So, sure. Okay, I'm going to get closer. I can't see. First Corinthians one twenty says, "Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, through its wisdom, oh, through its wisdom, did not know Him." God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach a Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew, Gentile, or Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So, a westernized Christianity. Um, we cannot deny the charge that with some missionaries, certain ways of praising, not being able to go to church without a tie and formal shoes, those were things that happened. And there wasn't really a representation or a celebration of how people from different nations either looked, spoke, or celebrated. Um, and the thing about it, I remember Andre saying, if you don't like spending, God, uh, spending time with God here, you're really going to have a hard time in heaven. Um, and it's the same thing. If you have a hard time um, being with the nations and multitudes here, it's going to be very difficult in heaven because that's exactly what God has called um, 
heaven to look like. And he doesn't remove these things, but in fact, he wants to use them, right? So he uses our uniqueness and our difference in order to um, move forward with the kingdom of God. Can we go to the next slide? So now, that's fine. So now we get to a point where our culture, especially in South Africa, is sacrosanct. So we can't let Christianity question our culture. Our culture is where our identity comes from, it's where it stems from, it's where or what people have always done, which isn't what the Bible tells us to do, and that's not the, uh, the thing that is being taught by the Bible about identity. And so even if you look at the Bible, right? So my first encounter with this was first Jonah. So I was reading Jonah one day, and I see on the boat, they wanted to figure out who was causing all this trouble. So they threw lots, guys. So as a South African, or in our context, they threw bones. So right now, you blow in a bag, and you throw the bones, and then you see. And they did that, and it told them, yo, it's Jonah. <laughs> and they're like, let's throw him overboard. Um, which isn't different to some African practices when you're actually consulting an ancestor. You have mediums, you have, I think the channel is called E, where you have Tyler the medium or whoever the Ricky, and they are able to connect you with people from a past life, right? That too is sinful. That too the Lord speaks about. That too is condemned. Um, you have a soul. He tries to, so First Samuel 28, I think, he goes and he consults a medium and he wants Samuel back to ask him, yo, what's happening? Like, what is the plan? And he says, why, why are you even calling me? The Lord has turned his back on you. But the Bible doesn't shy away from these practices. But for me, it highlighted what was initially or what I initially thought were specific or um, unique to African culture was actually paganist um, practices as well. So sacrificing to your ancestors is something that people did. Like polytheism, so having different gods, is not something that's unique to Africans. Um, animistic practices are not unique to Africa. People do this all over the world. We have Hindus, you have Islam, you have um, Asians all over the world that do this. And so it's not God coming specifically for you and your um, particular religion or culture. So he's here for the black people, but he's here for everyone, right? And some people's cultures have included a history of racism, and that too is sinful. And so if anything, this should make us go back into our own cultures to say, there are things in our cultures that need to be redeemed by Christianity. And Christianity is able to do this, but what it's not trying to do is make everyone a nation of Christians you're still going to be who you are in heaven. You're still going to be able to ululate. You're still going to maybe have a braai. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, or probably as we're like going holy, holy, there's someone soaking there in the middle of the courts. But it's all important. It's all necessary. We need it. We need it. Um, but also because you're from a different culture, I urge you to not shy away to speaking to people from different cultures, but also listen. 
So listen to what the assumptions are. And a lot of it, the Lord has revealed to me, was that if there is generational curses because of sin, there's also generational heartbreak. And people's hearts have been broken for decades and centuries and generations, and they need to be mended. And how they get mended is the truth of God. But this is the actual truth. It's not the chakalaka that people are offering. It's the tomato that left. Um, this makes me look at my own culture. So like Pastor Henny mentioned, I, my, my father's Betty, my mother is Swati, but in our culture, whatever your father is, that's what you are. So I'm Betty. Um, I'm married to Max. He is Shona from Zimbabwe. Um, and this has not been without challenges. And also it's looked like our Lobola process being uh, one for the books. I think for some people, Christians as well, to say, well, why would you even want to do that? You guys identify as Christian. And to say, we do identify as Christian. But some of these things are to unite, to celebrate, to um, have an event. And this is not innately sinful, but there are spiritual aspects to our cultures. And that is the thing that we should be condemning. And those were the things that we decided to not um, practice or participate in, which then meant we would be alienated and probably still are black sheep of our family. Excuse the pun. Um, but that, we needed to be okay with that. That needed, that needed to be okay. For the sake of the gospel, that needed to be okay. Um, 2021, 2022 looked like a lot of loss, especially on my side. My grandmother, my father passed away. And um, I was telling my friend this. I knew their character. I knew the kind of people they were. And so to call upon them to uh, look after me right now, I remember that they're still humans and they're flawed. And I would need a divine God, and that's who I'm choosing. Um, And this wasn't the best pill for her to swallow because her thing is that um, my grandmother and my father knew me, so they have... Uh, my best interests at heart. Uh, but this is a God who counts the number of hairs on my head. So, like, if my hairs look like breaking, he's like, girl, girl, like, we have to do something about it. And he knows how many there are. Like, tell me of a God who cares. He cares. Um, so, we experienced a lot of loss. Um, last year in March, myself and Max had a miscarriage, and our hearts broke. Um, but on one side, you have our church family that came to our house of like flowers and food after I got discharged from the hospital. And you then have my family who then decided that it's time for me to do a cleansing ritual because um, the death of our baby was now a dark cloud over my head. Um, And that going forward, it might mean that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant again, which was a lie. which was a lie, uh, I remember attending Liberty, and God gave me a vision, gave me the same vision, gave two other people the same word, and the following night, I probably fell pregnant, and I'm almost eight months pregnant now. Um, but this, all of this to say is that um, the use of fear of lies is ancient, um, but we serve the ancient of days, and he is pure, he is glorified, he is to be trusted. Um, does Christianity belong 
uh, to white people, definitely. But it also belongs to black people and Middle Eastern people and all sorts of people because in the end, the Lord wants to redeem our culture. He wants to use it because we have different gifts and certain things that are strength to others. But also, you are able from a different culture to look into different cultures and see sometimes a deficit that you're able to assist with. Um, but also for the bigger picture. And so we look at Revelation 5, verse 9 to 10, and said, They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve our God. They will reign on earth. And so we're not bought, I mean, all, the blood, all our blood is red, unless someone really has other things going on with them. But <laughs> um, Blood is all red. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. Our blood is red, and the blood of Jesus came to redeem each and every single person. Um, and it's not to make us look blended. It's to make us look different, um, but for the same purpose, to honor and glorify God. And we're then not bought in order to be slaves or serve under people, were bought to become a godly priesthood, part of a kingdom that is everlasting to a God that is not only love, but he is truth and he can be trusted. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks Tanao. So... Um, I, I think it's important to talk about this and to um, look at the charge that is often brought against Christianity, that it's a white man's religion, and, and to say, but, but hang on, <laughs> that's just plainly not true because white people like me are as much converts to Christianity as black people like the now. Uh, you know, Christianity is a Jewish religion um, that comes from Jesus who was a Jew and the apostles, all the early apostles were Jew and all Gentiles, whether white or black or any shade of melanin in between, converted to Christianity. Um, and, and not only that, but to say that, yes, a lot of oppression uh, and even of black people, especially here in South Africa, I mean, let's face it, uh, there were many churches who justified apartheid through from the Bible, but they did it in disobedience to the Bible. And that's what we must recognize. You cannot, you cannot rightly use Christianity to justify racism and oppression and, and all, of, all of those wrong things. And the irony for me is, um, you know, when, when I've encountered this charge, it's usually been sort of in a political context where it's either been people who are Muslims or people who are Marxists, you know, in a political sense, you know, say guys from the EFF or so, um, or who say, no, but Christianity is a white man's religion. And, and the irony for me is that the Quran and the Hadith say, speak about Muhammad's skin that is white, <laughs> and Marx obviously was a white European, um, and Jesus was not. He was not, he was not um, you know, as, as dark maybe as the now, but he certainly wasn't as light as me. He was a Middle Eastern Semitic man who was sort of middle brown. And the reality is that Christianity is for everyone. And, and you know, I think what, what the now was saying here at the end is so powerful. You know, if you can just bring up that Revelations 5 again. Um, 
that scripture is so powerful because it, it says that not only were all human beings, whether they are melanin impoverished like me or, you know, <laughs> highly melaninated like Max, all of us are created in the image of God. There's a, there's a human dignity that is given to all human beings because we are all created in the image of God. And, and in that sense, we, we, are, we are equal. Um, but not only that, but the Son of God, who is himself God, died for all human beings, for, from humans from every tribe and, and language and people and nation. In other words, Jesus put a price on human beings from all ethnic backgrounds, and that price is his own blood, his own life. That's a high price. That's a high value that God, through Jesus, placed on us as human beings. And then, you know, the other thing that's, that's so powerful for me is that, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not like, you know, some people from some nations are saved to, to be priests and others are not. People from every tribe and tongue and people and nation are saved to become priests unto God and to serve God as priests, you know, in the same office. And I really think we can, with boldness, like Danae was saying, we can, with boldness, stand and, and say this charge that Christianity is a white man's religion or that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's oppressive and so on. It has been misused to do that, but... Christianity itself does not do that. Um, like um, Stefan said last week, you know, if someone plays uh, Beethoven poorly, you're not going to say Beethoven is a poor composer. You're going to say the person who played him <laughs> did so poorly. Well, if, if we as Christians throughout church history have sometimes played Christ poorly, it's not because there's something wrong with Christ. It's because we have not represented him accurately. Um, and that is true. That ha- does happen. But, but you cannot reject Christianity based on the misrepresentation of it. So I, I just want to en- encourage you. Um, there's, there's no re- legitimate reason why uh, Christianity should be rejected by, by black people, by white people, or by any shade of melanin in between. Uh, Christianity is the one religion that is really for everyone. Um, and Jesus died to prove that. And we can share our faith with that confidence. And in fact, um, Danae spoke of redeeming our culture. Each of our cultures has to be redeemed. And Christianity will bring the best out of my culture as an Afrikaner man. Um, the reality is that part of my culture, you know, coming out of apartheid and so on, was racist. I, I grew up when it was not only acceptab- acceptable, but quite expected to tell racist jokes and to use that to denigrate black people. And that's a part of my culture, my Afrikaner culture, that had to be redeemed. So my, the, the gospel and the Bible challenges that or challenged that part of my culture and redeemed it. Um, and likewise, in, in the culture of, of, of um, black people and of everyone else, there's something that the gospel is going to challenge and, and redeem. Yes, Lord God, we just come before you this morning in Jesus' name, and we want to thank you, Lord, that, that you both 
affirm our cultures but also redeem our cultures and thank you that our cultures will exist into eternity thank you that we will still be using the languages we speak now to glorify you in heaven even as we read in revelations 5 verse 9 and 10 um, but thank you that those will, those cultures represented in heaven every culture represented in heaven will be redeemed by the gospel and changed by the gospel to be better to be what it what to be the best version of the culture it could have been can possibly be and thank you lord that we can just come and present ourselves and say lord redeem our cultures and help us to become agents of redemptions in our of redemption in our culture and lord we just want to acknowledge lord uh, most of us um, since most of us are, are gentiles lord god that all of us are converts to christianity whether lord through the ethiopian eunuch who took um Christianity into Ethiopia and into the rest of Africa or through Paul who took um, Christianity into Europe and planted churches there. Lord, thank you that we are converts to Christianity and that, that we can be thankful that, that we as individuals but also as cultures can experience Christianity and experience the change that you bring to us individually and corporately through it lord and lord we just want to consecrate our country south africa to you lord and where we are a melting pot of so many cultures and backgrounds we just want to pray lord that the gospel will change us not only on an individual level but also on a cultural level that it'll come and redeem our cultures and and that we as christians will show our country a better way of being zulu or pedi or British or Afrikaans or whatever our culture is. In Jesus' name. We just want to, Lord, I just want to pray your grace, Lord, over us as a congregation, but also over every church in every part of South Africa that calls upon the name of Jesus. That, that we will be able to um, allow the gospel to redeem our cultures and to take that redemption into the in, in, into this country that we love and that so desperately needs you and your redemption in Jesus name amen thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg may the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good for more information and sermons please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com